and welcome everyone. Welcome back to the fourth quarter comeback, your premier football podcast for all the news, all the fantasy football insight, all the betting odds, everything you want, all in one spot. I am your host, Six Pack Pat O'Connor, along with my friend Red Zone Rick. Rick, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Pat. Ready for another great show. I hope you got your shit together tonight. I never have my shit together, but let's fly by the seat of our pants and hope we entertain everybody out there. And with that, Rick, we're going to start off. We have the undefeated 4-0 L.A. Rams. Last Thursday night, they took on the Minnesota Vikings. They beat them 38-31 to in a great shootout game. The Vikings shut the Rams out, actually, in the fourth quarter, but the Rams did enough early on to get the job done. Jared Goff went for 26 for 33, 465 yards, and five touchdowns. He was spreading the ball all over the place, Rick. How did you like the game? I know we talked about it the other day. Said it was probably one of the best Thursday night games. Definitely, like we like we stressed the other night. I think it was one of the better Thursday night games that we've all ever seen. Uh, it let me know a lot about the Rams. It told me that the Rams are definitely poised for a long run in the playoffs. Even though the defense didn't show up, I think it, it was more the Vikings coming in, feeling you know back against the wall, and I think that. They just performed because of the week before what happened at Buffalo, and they didn't want to come out and have a poor showing. But even with that, they were still up against such a tough match in the Rams. You know, Jared Goff, man. Wow. He showed why he was the number one pick. What a performance, man. You got to give it to him. He's he's just dotting people up all over the field. Exactly. He was spreading the ball out perfectly. He had three wide receivers over 100 yards and a touchdown that night. And he's accurate. He's so accurate. Do you see how accurate he is? Did you see the touchdown he threw in the back of the end zone? That it was only like where the receiver could get it. And it was it was such a threaded needle by Jared Goff. It was amazing. And he's accuracy like, was on point that night. He's looking like a young Aaron Rodgers, man. You know, plain and simple. He's looking like a young Aaron Rodgers. It must be something in, in Cal. Must be. Something to do with the Cal Bears. They got something going there. I guess so. If you look at the way Jared Goff was throwing, basically put your hand up, hold up your hand in front of your face, spread your fingers out as wide as you can. Those are the five touchdowns that Jared Goff threw that night. <laughs> All right? He was spreading the ball perfectly across the field. He was short. He was long. He was throwing the ball to perfection. He gave that big middle finger all the way down the field to Cooks to seal the deal. He was crushing it, and he was spreading the ball everywhere he needed to. And like I said, Cooper Cup, I love Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's one of my favorite guys in the league right now, and McVeigh uses him perfectly. He disguises how he uses him so well. He lines him up tight. He brings him on for a lot of blocking schemes, actually. He'll bring him around the tackle and have him help out with some runs. And that disguises later on, he'll sneak out that back door, fly down the field, and you just hit him. So they're doing great things. They're using their players the right way. It's a perfect game plan by Sean McVay. He has the right players on the field, and they're killing it. And I do have to argue one thing. The defense, yes, the secondary is very banged up. They weren't really ready for Cousins in that offense. But Aaron Donald, 13 quarterback pressures. 13 quarterback pressures that night. So, yes, the overall defense didn't get the job done because they gave up 31 points, but that's an insane number by Aaron Donald. He's earning his money. Aaron Donald's definitely a beast, man. You can't take that away from him. And isn't it, like... It's crazy to me the weapons that Jared Goff has at his disposal right now. You know, Todd Gurley. Then you got Brandon Cooks. One of Cooks. the better lineups I've seen in a while. Well, they should send a thank you note every year to Belichick and the Patriots. Think, thank you. Thank you. Because as much as everybody shits on the Raiders for sending out in his prime Khalil Mack, let's not forget that the Patriots sent out for one draft pick, not multiple, and in his prime Brandon Cooks and just sent him over to the Rams. For what? So now they have Cooks to go out there, Cup and Gurley and the rest of them. It's one of the more well-rounded offenses that I've seen Cup in a while. Cup are surprising. You know, Cup comes out of nowhere to become a like one of the best slot receivers in the league. They got like three slot receivers basically playing any any position on the field at any point in time. 
You got Brandon Cooks, who's known to be a slot receiver. You got Robert Woods, who was in Buffalo, who was a slot receiver for a little while. You got Cooper Cup, who could be the best slot receiver in the league. The Rams are stacked, man, and we saw it on Thursday night. They're a force to be reckoned with going down, you know, going down the stretch. I don't see them. I just don't see them losing. That defense is going to be stout. The offense looks like it's going to be great. If they could just not get injured and stay on the field, I really like the Rams' chances this year. We do have to talk about one serious issue, actually. The Rams were held up by the police afterwards in the stadium. They were held because they were abusing Anthony Barr all night long. They were just destroying him over the top and scoring on him relentlessly. Poor Anthony Barr. First he gets hurtled by Josh Allen. Then he gets torn apart by the Rams offense. Anthony Barr's a good player, but I don't know if this is the karma of injuring Aaron Rodgers coming back to haunt him, but Anthony Barr is just having a bad time this season so far. Like you said, Kirk Cousins, the Vikings, they are 1-2-1. and They fell here. They ha- Basically, they should have played well because they game-planned for this game two weeks in a row because we know they didn't plan for the Buffalo game. That was obvious. They've been planning for the Rams for a while. That was definitely evident. Cousins going for 36 completions, 400-plus yards, three touchdowns. He was hitting Diggs and Thielen. Aldrick Robinson, two touchdowns. Two catches, two touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, back from injury, 10 carries, 20 yards. Uh, Dalvin Cook's gone missing. He's going to have to put it back together if the Vikings want to improve and be able to hang in there with the Packers and the Bears in the NFC North. It seems to me like Dalvin Cook was kind of probably still a little hurt. He doesn't look like himself. Week one, he had a you know pretty decent outing. And then now it's just like after the injury, I don't know. Is he still hurt? You know, could be. It could be something lingering there. They might not have it game planned. We'll have to wait and see on him. He does have a few favorable matchups coming forward. So there. And, and the Vikings Cook. need the Vikings need Dalvin Cook to work because I don't think anyone believes in Latavius Murray. Probably only his mom. <laughs> Next up, Rick, we have a blowout of the week, but it was a pretty important one. We have the New England Patriots. They took down the Miami Dolphins, previously undefeated. They took them down 38-7. to It was embarrassing for Miami. Now the Patriots are 2-2, two two, a game behind the Dolphins, and they own the tiebreaker. What did you think? Uh, a lot of people are saying the Patriots are back. I don't a lot are yet. saying they never left. I don't agree yet, man. I'm still a little worried about them. Again, like I said, the Dolphins beat us and they were 3-0. and But I just didn't believe in them as a team. I still don't believe in the Dolphins as a team. Like I said in one of our prior shows, Ryan Tannehill is still Ryan Tannehill. And it showed on Sunday. And I don't believe in the Dolphins. Anyone who thinks that that 3-1 record is, you know, valid, they got another thing coming. Keep keep watching. Stay tuned. I think the Dolphins are still going to finish last in the division. I mean, not last. Sorry, not last because Buffalo is. <laughs> Woo. But they're, they're definitely going to finish in third, and I still think the Jets are going to finish in second. And you'll see that the Dolphins are not who everybody thinks they are right now. Well, I'm not sure who they think they are. I just everyone believed, well, you got off to a 3-0 and start. They had to believe what they saw. And I don't know that anybody really thought they were going to be able to hold on to it long term just because of the lack of the talent. There's really a lack of talent overall in Miami. And this is why I say that I still have my doubts in New England. Because remember, coming into this game, I have no belief in the Dolphins. And they come in one and two. They blew the Dolphins out to their credit. You know, it wasn't close. But in my mind, it was still the Dolphins. So the questions I had about the Patriots still remain. For sure, but there's here are some big questions about the Patriots. Let's let's get to that more important part. Tom Brady threw for 274. He threw three touchdowns, yes, but he threw two interceptions. So he's just going to pile those up. And then the three touchdowns were all just kind of medium range to the left of the field. The players were making it happen for them. The Dolphins clearly were not adjusting. Brady not having the best time with the rest of the field. He was just focused on that 15 to 20 yard range over on the left sideline. I don't really like that that's where his mindset is. He's going to have to work on spreading the ball around a bit more. To that point, 
He adds, his new weapon, Josh Gordon, showed up. He only played 18 plays. He had four targets. Two of them got called back because of penalties. So he had two receptions for 32 yards. It wasn't fantastic, but I did like how Josh Gordon was running hard after the catch. He was breaking some tackles. It was it was a pretty decent first showing. Obviously, we're going to have to see a lot more. I think it was a decent start. I think so as well. Like you said, he ran hard. You know, he broke some tackles and he made he made some catches out there. I think what it, what's most important is just that he gets reps. You know, him and Brady, you know, kind of build a rapport. And I think that the Patriots, I think they had some questions that are going to get answered soon. Okay, so we got Edelman coming back. You got Josh Gordon now coming on. Okay, Gronkowski, is a, he might be a little banged up, but if he's on the field, you got some valuable options. He is you questionable got, this week with the injury through his ankle, going into a short week got, against uh, Indy on Thursday. Which could be which could be big now that you bring that up, a short week. But you got Gronkowski, you got Edelman, you got Josh Gordon, and you got an oncoming Sony Michelle. I think that he's the main reason the Patriots look so good on Sunday, because he came on. And he was great, okay? He looked every part of an every down back in the NFL. He looked like he was ready for everything. So with that being said, I think that the Patriots are going to answer some questions now. Can Tom Brady now take these new pieces that he has and rise up to the level that we've seen him rise up to before? Or, you know, is he really on the decline? Is he really not able to make the plays that he was able to make, you know, even last year? So I see, I see weapons coming on. And as long I as see Gordon... the weapons coming in there, he's going to have the offense surrounding him now. If Michelle can keep going for over 100 yards and a touchdown every game, this is what I was going to say. Going as long as Gordon can show good. up and give you, you know, that that deep threat slash possessor receiver, because that's what he is. He's a deep threat, but he can also move the chains for you. If he can show up and you get the same production out of Sony Michelle week after week, it doesn't have to be 100 yards. You know, it doesn't have to be 50 yards receiving every weekend or any, you know, a touchdown. But if you could just get consistency, four yards a carry, you know, there's going to be days where he goes for 20 carries and, you know, only gets 80 yards. But it's can he get those 20 carries? Can he can he carry the ball 20 times for you? That's what you want to see out of Michelle and be consistent. And if he can do that, I think the Patriots have a real shot of going back to what they were last year and a couple years before, which is one of the more dominant teams in the NFL. Next up, Rick, we've got the Ravens and the Steelers. Ravens took down the Steelers 26-14. It was a hell of a showing by Joe Flacco. The Steelers just aren't there on offense or defense. Their secondary is horrible, as I said last week. I just don't like what I'm seeing at all from Pittsburgh. The Ravens, on the other hand, Their defense is playing tremendously. I like the Ravens, man. The Ravens are looking good. Joe Flacco looks like he's playing with a sense of urgency, finally. I think that the Lamar Jackson pick really put some fire under his ass, and he's trying to show and prove that he can still get it done in the NFL. They're looking really, really good. On the other hand, the Steelers, man, oh, man. They just look like they're getting worse every week. I don't know who the Steelers are. You know, you, you finally had a good first half last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just to give it up in the second half and look terrible and then take that same performance and bring it into the next week. The Steelers are looking like a wreck right now. Again, Tomlin needs to get ahead of this. We've been hearing reports that Le'Veon Bell should be back by week eight. They need some kind of spark. Hopefully, when Le'Veon comes back, that's going to be the spark that they need. Truth be told, I still believe that when Le'Veon comes back, the Steelers might make a run. But right now, at this point, I don't like the Steelers at all. They're looking really, really bad out there. You're right. I would say Le'Veon Bell, he did say he's supposed to be coming back during week seven, the bye week. He is going to be missing a week six matchup, an important one, against the division rival Cincinnati Bengals. So it's kind of questionable, but I get the point of coming back during a bye Interesting scenario is he comes back then at week 8 versus Cleveland, and week 9 is a matchup at Baltimore. So, I'd say it's a question more of, are they going to open their arms up and welcome Le'Veon back? To me, it's a matter of situation. If they lose the next two games, if they blow it against Atlanta and Cincinnati, 
I think they're just going to ship Bell off. Get what they can in return. Be done with it. Because if you're like 1-4-1, and one, I think you you have to see the writing on the wall. And you just want to get the best return you can for a player that's already out the door. Now to me, if they end up beating the Bengals and get a division win, and they come in something like 2-3-1, and one, I feel like they're going to run Bell ragged in Week 8 and Week 9 and try to pick up those big division wins. So if they do that... They're going to hope to get the wins, get back in the division race, and then I'm not 100% if they still don't try to move him afterwards. But I think they will use him as much as possible to get those two important division wins. I don't think there's any chance that they trade Bell. I think even going into, even being 1-4, and 1-4-1, four, one, four and one, I still think that they keep Bell on the roster. I don't think that they want to get rid of Bell for the minimum when they know that they can get more or they can get the production out of him. So I look for the Steelers to keep Bell. I look for them to hold on to Bell, stop, you know, looking for trade offers, you know, stop hearing trade offers, anything like that. I think they're going to keep him on the roster. I think they're just going to hope and pray that when he comes back, the offense gets back to where it needs to be. And I think they may be right. I think that when Bell comes back, I I think we're going to see this offense take a turn for the better. Will it be a little too late? You know, they got some tough games later on in the schedule. You know, can they get can they pull those games out and and make a run? I'm not sure, but I'm sure we're going to see a difference in this offense once Le'Veon comes back. That is for certain. A couple more scores to just tie up the week's events. I made fun of the 49ers a little bit last week, so I'm going to eat a little bit of crow. They did lose, but they put up a good fight against the Chargers. They lost 29-27. So to all my 49er faithful friends out there, I apologize. They did better than expected. Also, the Cowboys took out the Lions 26-24. Hey, don't forget your Jets. we got to give a score update there. They lost to the Jags 31-12. Sam Darnold is a superstar, no doubt. Uh, and the Titans took out Super Bowl champs 26-23. So those are a couple more scores throughout the week. And Houston finally got in the win column by beating the Colts. And Rick, that leads us to my team. You know I love them. The Oakland Raiders. They took down the Cleveland Browns to finally get their first win of the year. They're now 1-3, still sitting at the bottom of the AFC West, but they took down the Browns 45-42 in overtime. Finally switched things up a little bit. They let the Browns take the lead in the first half. They finally kicked it on in the fourth quarter, scoring 21-14 over the Browns. It wasn't without controversy. We have a whole lot of bitching and whining Browns fans out there. Guys, I get it. You finally got the taste of victory and your long winning streak of one game after, you know, what, two years finally came crashing to an end. Deal with it. Open up your little loss coolers. Sip on some more beer. Stop complaining (laughs) because here are some facts for you. And I will at Six Pack Pat. Follow me there at 4QC Show. Follow me there. Rick, where can we follow you on Twitter? At Rick Red Zone. Perfect. You can find the photo evidence. I will post it up later. Where the Raiders stopped Carlos Hyde on that third and two play. A little background. There was a minute 46 left in the game. The Browns had an eight-point lead. They ran the ball with Carlos Hyde. He got stopped. Okay? It was on the Browns' 19-yard line. They reviewed the play. It got reversed. Why? Because it was short. People need to stop bitching saying it was a clear first down. No, what was clear was his wrist and his forearm and his elbow. The whole damn deal was down. 100% definitely was. It definitely was. You could see, obviously, in the footage that you're going to put up on your Twitter account. You can send it to my Twitter account. I'll put it up as well if anyone posts the world's Twitter account. His elbow, his forearm, his wrist were clearly down. Ball short of the yard that it had to get to. So I don't want to hear any bitching and moaning. It's not the tip of the helmet, guys. It's not the the crown of the helmet isn't the first down. The yellow line doesn't move in magically because you want to win, okay? The ball (laughs) was short. That's the end of it. Now, we're not going to linger too much on that one because there was another problem. I'm a Raider fan. 6.32 left in the fourth quarter. I admit it. Derek Carr fumbled the ball. That was a bullshit call. He fumbled it. However, 
Everybody claiming, well, it was a clear touchdown that was taken away. Garbage. Jalen Richard tracked down the defensive lineman on the 30-yard line, okay? This is a track star versus a defensive tackle. If you think he wasn't going to wrap up his legs and take him down some way, some form, you're wrong. It wasn't some clear runaway touchdown. No, it was a clear runaway touchdown. The Marshawn Lynch play in the first half, where he shook a bunch of guys, spun out of it, and was running towards the end zone. And the refs blew the whistle dead, blew the play dead, and didn't let Marshawn fight out of it. What does Marshawn like to say? I run through motherfuckers' faces. That's what he was doing all game. He was playing hard. He was playing to win. He was showing everybody in Oakland, this is what we're about. And he was crushing the brown skulls. He flipped out of it. He did a spin. And he was running for daylight. And they blew the whistle. That's a touchdown stolen, Browns fans. Not your little bullshit car fumble. Yes, the car fumble was a fumble. But let's face the facts. That was third down. The Raiders punted. The Raiders punted right after that. Know what happened? The Browns went down and scored a touchdown. No harm, no foul. All you lost was about a minute on the clock. That's absolutely true. So we've dissected all the bullshit little calls there. Let's hit probably the most egregious one of the entire day. Arden Key saw his old friend Baker Mayfield in the backfield, said, What's up, bro? Gave him a quick bro hug, and they called roughing the passer. That's basically what happened, okay? He ran in there, he tapped him on the shoulder, roughing the passer. Unbelievable. That was the worst roughing the passer all season long. I can't believe they called that on Arden Key. Yeah, that was a bad call, man. Again, it goes back to these rules that the NFL is implementing, man. We've had a bunch of bad calls. The first four weeks of the season have been terrible calls, one after the other. You know, going back to the Clay Matthews call, back-to-back weeks. What can I say, man? Now you get to see it firsthand. Yeah, I'll tell you what you can say. You can say, I was almost right, Pat. I was almost right. Because I'll give it to you, Rick. You said he was going to throw six picks. Baker Mayfield had four turnovers. <laughs> he did have a, it wasn't six picks, but he did have a pick six. So I think you were just a little dyslexic and you just got it wrong. That's a, But I understand where you're going for. Mayfield, four turnovers. He definitely was a big part of losing the game for that. There's people out there, Pat, that are going to argue that, you know, look at what he did, look at the points he put up. But let's be honest here. You know, I'm not taking any shots at the Raiders. I know that's your team. But the Raiders are not a great team right now, okay? So the the Browns are coming off a win against the Jets. He comes back. He beats us. Then he comes in and he puts up 42 points against the Raiders defense who doesn't have any kind of pass rush. And when they had the little semblance of pass rush in the game, they were getting called for penalties. So I'm not looking at this game like, oh, well, Baker Mayfield put up 42 points. Yeah, he put up 42 points against the Raiders. He also gave up a lead to let the Raiders come back and win the game. My thing with these quarterbacks is is that everyone is quick to judge and everyone's on this, this Baker Mayfield train. Obviously, it was a joke that he was going to throw six interceptions. But at the same time, I did expect him to have multiple turnovers, which he obviously did. You know, calm down on the Baker Mayfield hype. One game is just one game. Doesn't, you know, make the season or break the season. Doesn't make one quarterback better than the other. And that's why I made the prediction of six interceptions, even though that was totally absurd and we all knew that. But I did expect multiple turnovers which is what happened. All good points, Rick. And I will say that Baker did have a pretty good help from his running game. They had 208 yards on the ground, three rushing touchdowns. They were tearing the Raiders up, especially Chubb. Chubb went for, I believe, three carries for 112 yards and a touchdown or two. That was not very good. On the other side of the field, we had Marshawn Lynch, though, went for 20 carries for 130 yards. Like I said, he was running through motherfuckers' faces, his favorite expression, other than I'm just here not to get fined. So 
Lynch, he was ready to win. In Oakland, Jared Cook setting the world on fire yet again. Eight catches, 110 yards, two touchdowns. The Raiders offense was looking very good. They were looking like the second best offense in the league in total yards. It shows. It looks that way. They just need to start getting the ball in the end zone more because you can't be second in yards and 13th in points. That's not a winning formula. One bright spot on defense, Maurice Hurst. The league slept on him. They took his heart condition, I don't want to say too seriously, because you can't take something like that too serious, but maybe they were a little too delicate with him. Hopefully his kid has a really long, successful career, preferably in the silver and black. Raiders win 1-3 and three on the way up in the division. All right, Rick, if you can't see it right now, I am flipping you a big old bird. Actually, two of them, two middle fingers pointed your way, because I am Earl Thomas, you are the Seahawks sideline Do you think I'm being an egotistical asshole that didn't get my way? Do you think I'm not being an appropriate role model to the fans? Or am I entitled to show and vent my frustrations at you for how everything's gone down in our past? What do you think? Is the middle finger given to you warranted or unwarranted? I think it's totally warranted. I think that, you know, you went out there, you left your blood, sweat, and tears out for this team. And you you want a contract. You're playing for your contract. You don't want to be franchise tagged because you know that the money's not guaranteed. And if if this situation right here, this exact situation happens, you know you're the one losing out on money. And I think Earl Thomas deserves his money. And it it's gonna it's gonna affect him. I think it's gonna affect him next year when teams go out. You know, trying to sign him as a free agent. Is he going to get less money now because teams are going to have that question mark on him? Well, he broke his leg last year. Is he going to come back? He's already up in age. Is he going to be the same guy that he was? And, and that's sad, you know, because Earl Thomas is a great player, and he's he's shown it for so many years on that Seattle Seahawks defense. And, you know, he, he didn't want to be. linchpin of that Legion of Boom. I mean, he was he didn't want the guy leave. that held it all together. I don't think he wanted to leave at all. I think that once he found out that, they weren't going to keep him long term, that that wasn't in their plans. He wanted out. And who wouldn't? You know, I don't blame Earl Thomas at all. I think he had all right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. You see all your friends start to leave school, you want to transfer too. And he's not going to not have competition in the next free agent class. He's got, unless these guys sign long term deals after the season before free agency starts, he's got Lamarcus Joyner and Tyron Matthew, both unrestricted free agents next season. So there are other safeties on the market he's going to have to compete with for the dollars. And that's sad, you know, because he's going up against younger safeties, you know, more in their prime than he is now. And maybe Tyron Matthew, I think, okay. But LaMarcus Joyner, is he better than Earl Thomas even now in Earl Thomas's age? Well, it's not a question of better. If you're asking me, I'm taking Earl Thomas over any of them. Will Joyner get more money now than an Earl Thomas because of this injury? I think he might. Because he's coming in with this question mark now into next year. Oh, you know, he's up in age, and he's coming in with a broken leg. You've got the young guys. They have younger legs. you got LaMarcus Joyner and Tyron Matthew. It's just it's as simple. If they're not injured, they're producing. Some people might, and they see the middle finger, you know. That could affect his bottom line. So... We're not sure. I didn't necessarily disagree. You want to express yourself, show your emotions, you're hurt, it's in the moment. We're all human. Obviously, he wants Eric Berry money. He wants $30 guaranteed. You know, he wants to get paid so he can end his career the right way for him. Making that money. Ironically enough, it was Eric Berry's team, the Chiefs, that were supposedly close to closing a deal before this week. Did you hear that, Rick? The Chiefs were close to closing a deal to get Earl Thomas in Kansas City. And now it's all blown up. And unfortunately, so is Earl Thomas's leg, and he's done for the year. And that's terrible, man. And you know what? Earl Thomas on the Kansas City Chiefs with Eric Berry coming back soon, man. I'm not going to lie. I don't wish injury on anyone. I really don't. I'm very glad this trade didn't happen because as a Raider fan, having... Earl Thomas, in what's now a very weakened Kansas City secondary, that team would almost be as complete, almost, not there, as the Rams. And I think we could almost guarantee a Rams-KC Super Bowl if this were to have happened. Luckily, didn't happen. Sorry, Earl, that you had to go down this way. 
Yeah, man, that's terrible for Earl. I don't think we have to cry for him too much. I believe Dallas or some other team will give him plenty of money and plenty of opportunity next year, and he'll be much happier wherever he goes, which will not be in Seattle. From one guy that was possibly trying to get into Dallas to a guy that tried getting out of Dallas, but is possibly now trying to get back into Dallas. If that's confusing, most things with Des Bryant are. People asked on Twitter, Des Bryant, when will you return? He said soon. When they asked where, he said he'd rather it be with the Dallas Cowboys. If not, he's ready to play somewhere else. But it's just kind of funny that after all this, I think he checked the landscape out. He saw that even the Jags with D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, they have something going on there. They have rapport they're building with Bortles, so he might not fit in as well. He sees all the other teams around the league. There's not necessarily a need for his services. He sees Dallas, a glaring need for a wide receiver, especially a red zone, end zone threat. So he knows the playbook. He knows the players. I think he could go in there, kiss and make up, collect his money, because he sees, after turning down three years, $21 million in Baltimore, Seeing his base value was going to be around $5 million with Cleveland, he gets, hey, I can probably make a little bit of money, a couple million bucks, go help out this 30th ranked Cowboys passing offense, get some touchdowns, play in Dallas, that's where I'm comfortable, that's where I can get the job done. What do you think about Dez maybe returning to Dallas? I think that would actually make sense. You know, Dallas needs help on the outside. You know what I'm saying? They don't have Jason Witten in the middle anymore. You don't have any names on the outside. Not just names, but you have no one that can create separation. Not that Dez is going to create separation, but because you have no one else creating separation, Dez will not create separation, but he gives you the... Tar- the big target, you know, where you can throw it up to him, you can, you know, get it away from his body and he's going to go get it. I think it makes sense right now. You know, you bring him back, you give him, you know, a one-year deal and you see where it goes from there. I don't see why why it would hurt. It gives Dallas, you know, a target. And I think that the name Des Bryant is still going to attract some, you know, defensive double coverage, whether it be bracket coverage or, you know, a corner and a and a linebacker taking them over the middle together. I, I just think, think it's that- a no-brainer. I think it's a no-brainer. Dallas, they're kind of coming around. Zeke, he's looking strong. They need help in the receiving core. There's not a better guy you're going to go get than Dez. He's rested up. He's in good shape from what he's saying. Your receiving is a joke right now. You have nobody. I mean, Michael Gallup's uh, non-existent right now. I've always kind of had a soft spot for Bryce Butler as a former Raider, but he's not a stud receiver. He's like a number three. They have $10 million in cap space. Funny enough, Dez actually accounts for $8 million of dead money in their cap space. Cole Beasley's leading the team with 185 yards. Jerry... Look at the opportunity, tell everyone to kiss and make up, tell everybody to hug, realize Dez can help. He's not going to hurt. He can help your offense out. You can always make up some jersey sales for all of those people that burn their Dez jerseys. Maybe they'll go back out and buy fresh ones if he comes back and starts scoring touchdowns. For me, Dez Bryant, go back to Dallas. Let's finish this off strong. And while he's not in my fantasy stock watch, I will say... Why not take a flyer if you have an extra roster spot? Scoop up Dez. Maybe he comes out, he goes to a good team, whether Dallas or someone else, starts picking up some touchdowns. If you have a spot, pick up Dez. Why not? Rick, you know what just happened? What's that? The calendar turned, October hit, fall is amongst us, and we are at the quarter point of the NFL season. How time flies. It's what we do in our field, Rick. We... We look at the season that has happened so far, and we start handing out non-existent awards. So, quarter of the way through the season, we are going to name our fourth quarter comeback, quarter point MVP so far. A couple of the names I have on our list are Todd Gurley. He's going for 338 rushing yards, 194 receiving yards, six total touchdowns. He has the Rams at 4-0. and Now, the running back on the market, Zeke Elliott, he's got 426 rushing yards, 125 receiving, three touchdowns, Cowboys only at 2-2, but Zeke starting to come on strong. Cowboys could turn this thing around. 
We've also got Alvin Kamara, 611 all-purpose yards, six touchdowns. Saints are lightening it up on offense, not so much on defense. Our only defensive player on our MVP list this year so far is obviously, and oh God, it just, it kills me to say it. Say the name, Rick. Say it for me so I don't have to say it. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, five sacks, one interception, one fumble recovery, four forced fumbles, a touchdown. He's got the Bears going to a 3-1 and one start, leading him on top of the NFC North. No, I'm not excited about this because the Raiders, we get the Bears draft picks. We need them to suck. Need them to suck terribly. And unfortunately, they're not doing that right now. Do I think it'll level out a little bit? Because I don't believe in Trubisky and his bullshit five touchdown pass performance but yeah mac is up for the mvp award he's just too damn valuable right now and of course last but a hundred percent not least pat mahomes he's passing for 1200 yards 14 touchdowns zero interceptions a 126.5 qb rating he's got the chiefs going 4-0 on top of the league right now rick first off do you have Anyone that I didn't list on your MVP list that we should look at? No, I think you got a real solid list there, man. I think that those are, you know, the top contenders right now for the MVP of the quarter mark of the season. So you're but, sure you don't want to put Sam Darnold in here? You don't want to sneak him in right in ballot? Sam you know, Darnold? even though he's having such a spectacular season, I just thought that that might be a little biased to put him in right now. So All right. Gonna, Maybe- I, you know what? That's that's fair. You no, know, we, we, we want to be as unbiased as we can, Pat. Oh, there's nothing biased about it. I predict Sam Darnold will be our half-point MVP of the season. But for now, we're going to stick with these five. Rick, who is your fourth-quarter comeback, quarter-point MVP? It's got to be Patty, my homie, not your homie, Mahomes. Has to be. Come on. Anything else? He plays the position, quarterback. He's got 14 touchdowns. He's eighth in the league in passing behind a couple of people that you said earlier, uh, you know, in our own little conversation that we had that won't be on the list anymore pretty soon. Full disclosure, one of those guys is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Obviously, he will not be on the list for much longer as he's been benched. I just think that Mahomes got Kansas City looking, looking great right now. He came in. They haven't missed a beat. You know, their offense was spectacular last year with Alex Smith, who's not known to push the ball downfield. And they're looking even better this year with Mahomes, who's known to push the ball downfield. I think Andy Weeks. with his left hand, as everyone's going crazy for (laughs) Yeah, that was a crazy play, man. Did you see that? I did see that, yes. I think Andy Reid is still the quarterback whisperer, too. You know, he's like, his offensive game planning is just amazing. Andy Reid is just, he's just a good coach. Does that take away from Mahomes as your MVP at all? Not at all, because I think that Mahomes' physical skills might be unrivaled if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers right now in the league. But Pat Mahomes looks every bit Aaron Rodgers right now at this point. Can he fall off? Yeah, it's a possibility. But right now, he's looking like the MVP, man. I'm sorry. Not nearly as sorry as I'm about to be. Pat Mahomes is not my MVP. I'm going to wait until at least the half point to see how he's developed, if he's still not throwing interceptions, how things are going. He is playing exceptional. He is having a fantastic start. It is MVP worthy, but the Chiefs, the Chiefs were already a really good team. So adding him in, I don't feel like it's changed the game record-wise too much for them. Obviously, yes, it's changed the culture a little bit in that he's younger, he's got a more live arm, He's a little more active in the backfield, although Alex Smith was known to run. Mahomes, I'm going to give him a little more time before I start handing him the MVP. Now I've got three running backs here. Process of elimination. Todd Gurley, I love Todd Gurley. He is generally, after Aaron Rodgers, my favorite for MVP every year, just talent-wise, production-wise. But he plays on the Rams. He plays on the biggest, best team. And unfortunately, when you're the bullies on the block, you're not going to be able to single out that one guy. That whole receiving core, that defense, Goff's playing very well. I can't give it to Gurley just because he's in too good of an ensemble right now. Next we have Zeke. Zeke, I would probably say just from the individual standpoint, is playing the best. Is just the runner carrying his team. 
Problem is, he's not carrying them high enough yet. They're at 2-2, two and two, they're not leading the division. He's going to have to do more, and they're just going to have to do more in general in Dallas for him to get brought up to an MVP level. Then go down to Kamara. Kamara is just... Kamara's stats are climbing the charts. He's doing a great job. I really like him. I always love how you bring up... He's the new age Marshall Falk, but you have a surefire Hall of Famer setting records every week, including this week he's going to do it again. Drew Brees is breaking all these passing records. That's going to take a lot of shine off of Alvin Kamara and his performance, not to mention his head start is over. Ingram is back in the lineup this week, and that's going to start to chip away at all of Kamara's production. So while I like him, I don't know he's going to be able to keep an MVP pace. So do you see what I did there, Rick? I took the quarterback out. I knocked off all three running backs, and that leaves me with... Say it. Right now, Khalil Mack is the MVP. (laughs) I hate you. Khalil Mack is the MVP right now. Why? Because the Bears sucked. The Bears were a fucking joke. The Bears had no chance at winning the NFC North, not even close, over the Packers and the Vikings. He has that team running like something I've never seen. It's like the old monsters of the Midway. It's getting me fired up just thinking of Mack, how he played, and then thinking of him in the silver and black, and now it's got me all mind-fucked again. So I can't deal with it. Khalil Mack is my quarter-point MVP. I don't want to talk about it anymore because he has turned a franchise around. It's not Trubisky. It's not anybody else. It's Mack, and that defense is carrying that team. So right now, it's got to be Mack as the MVP. Do I think it'll stay that way? No, because they're not going to give a defensive player the MVP. But right now, he's uh, he's mine. Takes a lot of balls to say that, Pat. Next up, we have our fantasy stock watch. Buy and sell. All right. So, Rick, my first buy is actually going to be Dalvin Cook. Why? Especially when I don't believe in him entirely. Because you can buy really low. He's averaging 2.7 yards a carry. That's a joke. A lot of owners are ready to bail on Dalvin Cook. So if you give them even just a halfway decent return, then you may end up striking gold later on with their favorable schedule, get a really good flex player. After Cook, I've got Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard, 10 catches, 77 yards, 1 touchdown. Now, I am talking about PPR format only here. If you want to take him in regular format, standard scoring, that is perfectly fine. That's up to you. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near as valuable. But in PPR, Sterling Shepard, with Evan Ingram out, should be able to put up double-digit receptions in a lot of games. I also believe that the Giants will be behind in a lot of these games. So, by all means, buy Sterling Shepard if you can. Last but not least, we have LaShawn Shady McCoy. He is a low-risk, high-reward player. Right now, he is just not performing. Buffalo's not getting it done. But they're going to grow into that offense. Josh Allen's going to get used to things more. McCoy's going to come back. He's had a slight injury, but he wasn't off very long with his ribs. I think if you can steal LaShawn McCoy for a really low price, take him because he could be a huge reward down the road. Now who I'm selling, I'm going to sell Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, he finally got a touchdown this week, and I'm sure his owners were excited, but while he was 4 for 34 and got a touchdown, it was over the Raiders. Listen, I just don't love Jarvis Landry in that offense. I understand a lot of people are going to say, Baker's coming in, he's he's rejuvenating the offense. Baker and Hugh Jackson, they're going to love Jarvis Landry and get him the ball. I disagree. I feel like even against lesser secondaries, the ball's getting spread around more, so he's not going to have the impact as much as you would think in those games where he should have a huge week. So sell Jarvis Landry. Baker is going to be spreading the ball all around the field. Speaking of another lightning quick receiving option, we have Tariq Cohen. Cohen went for 174 yards and a touchdown. Sell him while he's hot. Sell him while he's a big name for the week. They're going into the bye week. Use this time to flip him for a more valuable asset that's going to be 
worth it for the whole season, not just a flash in the pan like Cohen. Plus, that's Jordan Howard's backfield. Jordan Howard's gotten better with receiving. Cohen, it's not going to last. Last and least, we have Russell Wilson. I like Russell Wilson, but his O-line is a joke. He doesn't have a running game, especially if Chris Carson's hurt. I like Penny, but they're not giving him a chance. Russell's passing yardage has gone down every week to start the season. Maybe he gets a little bit of an uptick with Doug Baldwin coming back in. I don't think it's going to be anywhere enough. People are going to be bracketing him. They're going to have him covered. Brandon Marshall, he's just not going to get it done. If you can package Russell Wilson in a deal to get a better piece for yourself, go ahead and do it. There's plenty of quarterback depth out there. And also, don't be shy to replace him with somebody you can get on the waiver wire. Because like I said, there's a lot of quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, he's just not a guy that's getting it done right now. And that was your fourth quarter comeback fantasy stock watch of the week. Now, Rick, next up, we have our official power rankings. You weren't here for last week's. Rick, who do you got? Well, this week at number five, I'm going to go ahead and plug in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that um, even though they... A big win over the Jets this week. Yeah, even though they're coming off a big, strong win versus the New York Jets, uh, I think I'm going to drop them down a little bit and this week, not because uh, they're looking worse than what they were. I think that we've had a couple teams that moved up. So with that being said, I think our number four team is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Kansas City is looking every bit of a top five team. They're looking like they can get to the playoffs and make some noise in the playoffs. I like Patrick Mahomes. I like the offense out there on the field. They look kind of unstoppable. I mean, this week, Against uh, the Denver Broncos, it looked like, you know, he might be going down with his first loss, but the kid came through in the fourth quarter and pulled off a good comeback. And I look for Kansas City to make some noise, so they're my number four team. My number three team is going to be the New England Patriots. I think, like I said before, early in the show, the New England Patriots are going to get some weapons now, and I think that they're going to make it happen again on offense. And uh, I'm looking at the Patriots to turn their season around a little bit and make a little bit of a run. So they're my number three team. My number two team is going to be the Green Bay Packers. I think that with Aaron Rodgers, you still have one of the best players in the game, somebody that can turn the game around at any point in time. I think Geronimo Allison is coming on. They got good receiver depth in Green Bay. I think that um, Aaron Rodgers is still a man to be reckoned with. And my number one team is going to be, obviously, Los Angeles Rams, anybody that doesn't think the Rams are the number one team in the league at this point, they're just not watching football. At number five, I have the Baltimore Ravens. I like the way the Ravens are playing right now. They have a plus 58-point differential. They're 3-1. and one. I understand the Bengals are sitting atop of them right now, but I just see the Ravens as a better long-term threat. They have a better defense. The offense is clicking. Like you said, Flacco, he's taking the threat of Lamar Jackson very seriously, and he is playing very good ball right now. So the Ravens at number five. At four, I have the Saints. Three and one. Their offense is just lighting it up. Third in points four. You've got Ingram coming back. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara is easily the best backfield tandem in the game, possibly in quite some time. Number three, I've got the Jags. I like Jacksonville. They're second in points against. Their defense is so stout. Bortles is finally putting something together there with his receivers, even though it's a very makeshift offense, especially with Fournette out. TJ Yeldon stepping up and getting the job done. Once Fournette comes back, I don't see much stopping them. The Jags are my number three team. I like them. Especially after a hard-fought, crushing over the vaunted New York Jets. Second place... I am picking the Chiefs. Chiefs are 4-0. They're 2-0 in the division. Most impressively, I think they're starting the season 3-0 in away games. So Pat Mahomes is doing this all not at home. So I think that might be the most impressive thing. Chiefs are 4-0. They're my second team. And that leads me to my first team. And as you said, everybody's first team. The LA Rams. They're 4-0. They're a plus 73 point differential. 
they're just the best team. Their offense, their defense, it clicks. It's perfect. The Rams are going to go a long way. And there you have our fourth quarter comeback power rankings of the week. I know everybody's very surprised and shocked at her going out on a limb and picking the Chiefs and the Rams. Although Rick did pick the Packers pretty high up there. I do like the Packers, but I need to see it all come together and them going forward a little bit more. They were my preseason Super Bowl pick, so I do have the faith. And speaking of picks, Rick, we have our Thursday night game. The Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots. Julian Edelman coming back for the Patriots this week. Gronk is unsure if he'll be able to play. They may play it safe with him. We'll see. Rick, we know you as an ardent Patriot supporter. You're going to break out your red, white, and blue pom-poms. You're going to continue to cheerlead for the Patriots. Who are you picking in this game, Rick? Give it to us. Well, this week I'm definitely going to go with New England. Um, I think New England, like I've been saying the whole show, is finding themselves on offense. They got some key pieces about to step on the field for them this week. I look for New England to keep trending upwards and to get a win on their resume Thursday night. I may live in Massachusetts, but you are certainly the New England supporter here. I understand, though, because they are going to be a huge and heavy favorite. There's something about this. You know I love to go out on a limb, pick the underdog, and that's what I'm going to do. Like Chris Ballard said, the rivalry is back. The Colts are going to play hard. They're pissed off that Josh McDaniel spurred them. Frank Reich, he's a solid coach. I didn't hate him going for it on fourth like everybody else did. That's a mentality they want to have. They want to win. They don't want to tie. And that is going to lead Andrew Luck to light up the Patriots defense over 30 points. The Colts, they win in an upset on Thursday night. And you're all certainly winners, and we're the winners for having you as our listeners. So thank you again for tuning into the show. We definitely love all the support we're getting. We're getting feedback on Twitter. We're getting fan support. We love it all. We love all of you. You can find us on Facebook on the Fourth Quarter Comeback page. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Six Pack Pat with the number six. You can find the show at 4QC Show. You can find Rick at Rick Red Zone. Rick Red Zone. Good quality stuff. Don't forget to check it out. I will be posting that picture for you people that question the Browns being down. So thank you very much for everyone listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to tune in on Saturday for Rick's picks against the spread. He did pretty damn well last week. We're not going to spoil it for you. You'll hear everything then. Until then... We leave you with this parting shot. Even Jim Nance appeared to call the Giants a giant bitch. (laughs) 